0: Good afternoon. This is After the Whistle with Dolores. Um, My name is Michael McManus, but for the show, you can call me Dolores. Um, On this um, podcast, um, we will be discussing hot topics. We will be getting into the meat and into the nitty gritty of all the WNBA drama, ranging from what happens on the court to what happens after the whistle. Um, The things that we discuss on this show will be controversial and we will give some hot takes. Um, We want to hear from you. Um, We want you guys to be involved um, in the things that we talk about um, and really getting into the things that the fans want to hear. Um, The WBA and women's basketball coverage um, is known for, you know, being very held back and reserved. um, But we want to you know, say the things that some people are afraid to say, um, and so that's what we're going to do here. Um, a little bit about me. Um, the the whole Dolores um, name came about um, during the um, Michael Jordan um, documentary um, on Netflix. His mom's name is Dolores, um, and a, a group of friends, a group of friends of mine, were talking about um, just how his mom was kind of like the behind the scenes, like puppet master, making stuff happen, specifically when you think about the Nike deal that he took. Um, She was a big um, factor in that money um, and what he was able to do and being so transformative in um, that Nike deal. So, you know, me being creative, I was just like, let me switch my name to Dolores because I just feel like my Twitter presence is transformative. Like when it comes to women's basketball, I am gonna say what needs to be said, I, and it's no filter. Um, and so Dolores has kind of blossomed into this whole personality and character. Um, I was at Soda City Market in Columbia a few weeks ago, and a, a random person came up to me and was like, "Hey, Dolores, are you to, are you Dolores from Twitter?" And I was like, "I'm Michael, but Dolores works too." Um, so yeah, when I go into my WNBA and women's basketball mode, I step into Dolores. Um, and so for this show, we will be with Dolores the whole way through. Um, outside of the show, you can call me Michael. All right. So. Um, now that we have that background done, we are gonna get into the meat of today's show. Um, we're going with four topics today. Um, the first one is the biggest news in women's basketball right now, and that was the Olympic roster, um, kind of segueing into the all-star roster. Um, so you've had to be under a rock if you haven't seen the headlines. Um, but basically um a few days ago, um the US, USA USA basketball. Um, released their Olympic roster. Um, anyone that knows USA basketball, um, it's very much so one of those programs where you have to kind of grow up in it, um, have to basically like serve your time um, in order to even be considered for the Olympic team. Um, with the USA being so talented, I mean, the WNBA is the best and most competitive league in the world. You have athletes who are, you know, WNBA champions, um, MVPs who cannot make the roster. Um, and that's basically what happened this year. Um, so Neku McKay um, had been playing with USA Basketball since 2012. Um, she had kind of did her time um, and basically was kind of like a shoe-in to the team. You know, every year the teams are made, there are certain players that you're like, oh my God, they're going to be on the team, regardless of how well they're playing. Neck, on the other hand, was one of the players that had just gotten injur- injured during the WNBA season. She was sitting out um, to rest in rehab for the Olympics specifically. Um, and when the roster released, when the roster was released, her name was not on it. That blew up, and the background for why that blew up. So you have Neeka Gumake, who's a veteran in the league. I'm um, Dana Bird. Suberd. Sylvia Thouse, Tina Charles, um, Brittany Greiner. Um, Those are some of your veteran players who have Olympic experience or should have Olympic experience. Um, Everyone that I just mentioned outside of Nekko McKay, made the Olympic team. The controversy in here lies in the fact that Diana Taurasi has missed a good portion of the first half of the season with an injury. So both her and Neca have been injured most of the season, but Diana was able to make the team. Neca was not. Um, when Don Staley was asked about um, that decision, she said um, in her interview basically that the reason Neca didn't make the team is because of the injury, and they didn't know a timetable. Um, the only thing about that is is that. Don is only the head coach of the USA basketball team. There is a full Olympic committee or USA basketball committee that is responsible for making that decision. The three committee members refused to make a statement about why NECA was left off and Diana was brought on. And this is where Dolores steps in. Um, in this situation, in the WNBA, in women's basketball as a whole, there is a group of decision makers that get to control narratives, that get to control the way we view players' careers, and really get to change and move things in a way that aren't always beneficial to Black athletes. And this is one of those situations where that I think would be the case um, NECA has won a WNBA MVP. She's won a WNBA championship. And she's, one of the, she's the president of the WNBA um, Players Association. She is the face of the league right now in terms of the way that things are getting done. Um, the injury kind of set her back. Um, but based on everything coming from NECA's camp, she was sitting out specifically so that she would be healthy for the Olympics. And when you have a player of her caliber get left off the team and Diana Taurasi, who is also injured, makes a team, this is where you look at why. Um, and the first thing most fans are going to think of is the fact that Gina oriyama Diana Taurasi's coach and the coach of Connecticut, is on the committee for the Olympic team. Since he was the head coach, which started in, let me make sure my numbers are right, 2012, Olympic-wise, he did the 2012 Olympics and 2016 Olympics, more UConn players have been on Olympic teams than any other college program and at a alarming rate. Um, specifically, if you go back to the 2012 team, there were... Two players on that team that, to my knowledge, did not have a resume that would equate to them even being able to be on that team. Um, the, the USA is one of those programs where you have your veteran presence, so you know, your Sue's, your SEALs, your Tina, but they also try to bring in young blood. Um, in 2016, the young blood was Brianna Stewart. Um, this year. The Youngblood is Aja Wilson um, and Nafisa Collier. So we can see that there's a precedent for younger players getting into it. The only issue with that is Nega has been left out since the beginning. In 2012, um, she was coming out of college, would have made a great first-year player on the Olympic team. 2016, she was left off again. In that same year, she won the WNBA MVP and um, a championship with the Sparks. This year would have been a perfect time for her to join the um, USA's, get her feet wet in the Olympics, and kind of show that we're passing the torch and getting more people involved. Um, But this year, same as other years, has just showed how exclusive um, the decision makers are um, and how biased they are to certain players. Um, So that's been making waves all over social media and I really, I, do, I truly understand the frustration because NECA's an all time great. I mean, she's done everything that you would ask an all time great player to do. And I think back to the, the um, comment by Isaiah Thomas, I met all the requirements. She met all the requirements, and she's still being left off. And I, I really do take issue with that um, because you have players like Diana who are injured who are past their prime, who are solely only letting on the Olympic team because you want her to get five medals. Nothing about how she's been playing this season or even last year is even, you know, better than what NECA has done. Um, So I don't, I just didn't see why that decision was made um, in regards to NECA. So there's that. Um, I know... Um, if you look on social media, even just typing it in, um, Shanae Agumide-Neka's younger sister um, made an entire thread um, about it. And it's so informative um, just to get into the meat of, like, why this was such a big deal. Um, Devro Peters, um, a Notre Dame grad, um, did a thread about how the Olympic USA um, Olympic Committee is just, They've basically been selling people lies for years, um, telling people wait their turn, telling them, you know, you're going to make it. And then once it's time, they move the needle. Um, and NECA was one of the players that got gaslit um, on a very important moment in her career. Um, and that, that's truly sad. Um, and then to make matters worse, um, the All-Star rosters have just been released for the WNBA All-Star game. Neck is not on that roster either. Um, so in a year where she thought she was going to the Olympics um, and could have even been an all-star, she won't be participating in either um, as a WNBA um, president, um, player's president. So just, you know, just T mess, um, and it's truly unfortunate for her and her career um, because when you think about players of her caliber, what's something you're always going to look to distinguish those players? Were they an Olympian? Neck, I can't say that right now. Um, and that and that's truly sad. Um, but moving the show right along, um, one of the things um, going on in the basketball world, and I think this was, this, like, the thing for me about the, the um, WNBA and women's basketball is we got to let people be people. And sometimes that means they don't like each other. Well, <laughs> Skylar Diggins and Jasmine Jones. Skylar plays for the Phoenix Mercury. Jasmine Jones plays for the New York Liberty. Got into it on social media. And when I tell you the girls got into it, the girls got into it. So, a little context. Um, The Phoenix Mercury played the um, New York Liberty, a game in New York. Um, Skylar's balling out, doing what she does. She shakes, bakes, drops. Whatever you want to call it. Dee Dee, Dee, Dee Richards, there's a, a highlight video. Um, Chris Wilma, Chris Williamson um, was the one that's credited for posting it and making it kind of go viral. Um, but he posted it. Basically, um, Skylar's dribbling. Um, Dee Dee's pressing her hard. Um, Skyler kind of looks away and then, like, blows by her for an easy bucket. Dee Dee's stuck. Stuck. I mean, stuck. She can't move. This video goes viral. It's one of those moments, you know, the vet got the rookie. It happens all the time, Candace Parker does it all the time. Um, well, this rub Jasmine Jones the wrong way. She takes to social media every post of this video, multiple outlets, she's commenting. Oh, why are you posting this? Why why not post Banajelaney? They still lost. We got the dub. I mean, you know, just throwing throwing shade, hot takes, blah blah blah. She's upset, you know, trying to take up for a teammate, but also. Telling, you know, we need to move the narrative and talk about another player. The next day, Skylar sees it and basically says, shut the hell up. Why are you worried about them posting a highlight of me? You need to be worried about your team not posting enough highlights of the player that you want them to post highlights of instead of posting Sabrina Inescu. Well, it went left. (laughs) the girls the girls were going when when skylar said that twitter went up up in a blaze um jazz saw it um made a comment a little nasty comment about who you talking to who you telling shit the hell up um skylar was like i'm talking to you um she was like you know once that little exchange happened then of course social media takes it and runs with it So you got Scholar fans, you got Jasmine Jones fans going back and forth. Um, but I think the best part about Scholar's statements was when she said, instead of worrying about them posting me, you got to be worried about them posting Sabrina and not posting Benadja. Well, context of that is, is that anybody that follows basketball knows the new savior of the league is Sabrina Ionescu. You know, they're going to run with her connection to Kobe. They're going to run with what she did at Oregon, all those triple doubles. Um, she didn't get to finish her first year in the league due to injury. Well, she's come back this year after two very strong games. I mean, two very strong games. The league is smacking her in the mouth. Um, she She's not scoring the way she normally does. Um, defensively, she's a liability. And other teams are really going after her. Um, but even in that, Benajelani for that team has stepped up. Um, she has looked like an MVP MVP candidate all season for the New York Liberty. This is a team that was the worst team in the WNBA last year, and I mean by a long shot, worst team. Laney has taken that team and 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 worked wonders. Um, she's made them a playoff contender without Natasha Howard, who's been injured, without Sabrina Ionescu playing well. Naja has really shown that she is the leader of that team. Well, unfortunately, ESPN didn't get the memo. The WNBA didn't get the memo. A lot of major outlets have not covered her the same way they've covered Sabrina. And it's rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Scholar took that opportunity to say something about it. When she said something about it, the it rubbed Jasmine the wrong way. And they're going back and forth. Um, it gets so bad at one point. Jasmine's talking about, you know, that's fighting words. Scholar like the vet she is, doesn't respond. Um, so, as I said earlier, social media takes it and runs with it. Um, but it, ju- it just goes in and while social media is running with it. You got people coming in like women shouldn't be arguing. This is bad for the league. And I'm like, what? This happens in the NBA all the time. And as Ari Chambers says, um, in the MNBA, um, it happens all the time. You know, those men get into it on the court, do a little Twitter finger beef, and, and that's where it stops. But it's good for the league because fans love that. Like, no one wants to see players shaking hands and hugging and kissing every game. Like, we want that passion. We want them to want it. And we want them to go at each other, you know, respectfully, but sometimes disrespectfully. And I was here for that moment. I want more moments like that, you know? Um one of the most memorable moments in league history was is the malice at the Palace, too, you know, Detroit um, fighting the um, Sparks back in the day. You know, so these moments, you know, they're, they're negative, you know, if they result in injury. But people want to see that. People want to see that drama. Um, and I'm sick of people telling us, you know, women need to be chill and nice and more ladylike. No, let these women argue. Let them battle it out. Okay? Period. Um, so that's that. Um, The next thing we want to go to is another moment, um, and this is not WNBA. um, This is NCAA women. um, Syracuse um, women's basketball program has been everywhere in the news because they've lost over half their team to transfers. Um, It started shortly after, even a little bit before um, the NCAA tournament and the end of their season, um, and it's and, and and people just at the time, people were just trying to understand how, how can a coach at the time, um, Syracuse that just recruited one of their best recruiting classes in that school's history. Um, coach Q had a great team, um, but th- for some reason this past season, they just could not click. You saw the talent on the court, but something wasn't clicking and it wasn't materializing. And he had so much talent that fans fans were just, you know, baffled by what was going on um, with that team. Well, ultimately, we see that over half the team transfers, and when eleven player, 11, 12 plus players transfer from a program, the first thing fans are going to ask is what's going on. It's got to be more than, you know, something as simple as a player being upset about the minutes they're playing. It's got to be more than that. Well, we didn't hear anything from the program other than, oh, this is just a part of, you know, women's basketball now with the portal being such a big thing. Well, all that got flipped upside down a few days ago um, when The Athletic posted an article um, with interview and evidence from staff, players, and former coaches of that program that Coach Q and the Syracuse program um, has, a, has started a, a um, they have a culture of um, hypersexuality towards women, sexist behavior, um, some alleged assault is mixed in there, um, just things that you don't want to see in a women's program. Um, and the saddest part about the post from The Athletic is that not even half the players that transferred are even mentioned in the article. So the information that we got from the article was a, such a small sample size, but that initiated a larger conversation about that coach and about that program that is detrimental. And it um, the response to that from Syracuse was to launch an, an investigation. Um, I believe the investigation wasn't launched fast enough because any time 11 players leave a program, me as an athletic director, or if that was my position, I'm going to look into that and want to know why immediately. In the, within the culture of women's basketball, that, that just does not happen. That many players don't leave a program and investigation is not launched. Um, ultimately, one is being launched. Um, so I don't want to say anything is you know definitive until, you know, we have the facts and a decision, but One of the most telling things I've seen with that situation going on as of late is alumni from Coach Q's very first year with that program have come speaking out. Um, You've had two um, very prominent players from his program, Alexis Peterson um, and Tiana Mangakahia have been speaking out in support of him, um, you know, using their experience to say, you know, we support him. He would never do such a thing. Um, But so many more players, staff, and alumni have come out and said, we know otherwise. um, And we want the facts to be released. um, And we wish we would have spoke up earlier. Um, And and it's truly sad um, because right now in sports, specifically in women's sports, we're at this place where you have, you know, female and women athletes who are being coached by men in a sport where far fewer women even are getting the opportunity to coach. And so when you see coaches, uh, male coaches, abusing their power or potentially abusing their power, and it's also preventing women from having the opportunity to see, you know, be coached by other women and see themselves represented and who's coaching them, we have to look at the larger issue in sports. You know, not only are minorities not getting these opportunities, but women are not getting these opportunities. And then you have men who dominate these sports and who dominate the coaching ranks of women and men abusing their power. It's devastating. It is devastating. Um, And so I hope um, this situation opens the door for a larger conversation about representation and about who gets to do what. and who gets to make the decisions, Um, and how long do they get to stay and do some of the things they're doing before someone comes up and speaks out about it. Um, so I, I pray um, that that situation comes to a healthy um, close, and, you know, if the alleged victims of whatever is happening in Syracuse um, do come out, or if they don't, I do hope that they find some supports, and I hope that this investigation or anything that they see moving forward does not trigger them. Um, and if it does, I do hope that they seek um, therapy and can find some support um, or some justice um, in whatever comes of this um, situation. So um, that puts a bow on that Syracuse situation for now, um, but I'm definitely going to be tuned in to find out what happens moving forward with that program. Um, to close our show, on a lighter note, Um, Today, very big news in women's college basketball um, is NIL Day, Name, Image, and Likeness Day. Um, College athletes have been calling for this since, I'm going to say Skylar Diggins. Um, We're talking about women's basketball. Um, Skylar Diggins, Candace Parker, those are two of the players. When you think about a household name everyone knows them whether it's for what they do on the court or how they look doing it everyone knows those ladies um and they they were when they were in college they did not have the ability to make money off who they are their star power and now we have a way for these athletes to be paid for the work that they are doing you know for so long college have been making money off athletes while these athletes sometimes have to suffer um, in poverty while being a student in college. And that, that changes now. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, I'm excited to see where that goes in terms of, you know, what firms start to arise. What athletes do we see rising to the top? Um, does that match or correlate to what they're doing on the court? You know, um, one WNBA player I think of um, is Kaiser, Kaiser said um for the Indiana fever, she's a, a, a beauty. Um when she was drafted, um the deals just flew in. Um Adidas threw the bag at her. Um but we not we haven't we haven't seen that materialize into you know a, a rookie of the year campaign. We haven't seen that materialize into you know a great rookie year. But because of her look and because of her social media following she's about to she is getting a bag in the league right now because of her name engine likeness. And so that is now gonna be available to college athletes. And the best thing about it is, is that women athletes are the ones dominating social media. Um, There was a study released, I can't give you the name of who released the study, but when they talked about college basketball players at the time of the NCAA tournament, seven of the 10 most followed players in college basketball were women young women young athletes who have such a large social media following that if that following was to materialize into money these athletes would be would be making more than some college coaches and that is dope you know we um we people have made so much money off these players for so long and now these players get to take those opportunities into their hands and and, and become a superstar even before they've become a professional athlete. Um, so I'm really excited. Um, I'm excited to see what college programs do to assist these athletes um, in their journeys with um, NIL. Um, I saw a post today from Don Staley, the coach at Don, um, South Carolina, who was basically saying, you know, this is such a great opportunity. Um, you know, go, you know, go out and be great, but don't forget Uncle Sam. Um, And so that's an area where things can totally get tricky with NIL um, is now that money's involved, um, you're going to have people that are trying to scam these athletes. You're going to have the government now looking to be paid back um, for the money that these athletes are going to be getting. um, And we just want to make sure that everyone um, goes about it educated um, and goes about it safely um, so that, you know, we don't get any of those, you know, crazy tax stories um, that you get in um, athletics sometimes. Um, but it's a it's a great day um, in athletics for all sports um, because it really does give these athletes a chance to get justice for people like Reggie Bush um, and the FAB. I, I wanted to throw them in there because when you look at the history of sports, Black athletes, as it relates to NIL, have been penalized and have also been the most, um, you know, they've been used um, by some programs for who they are and their name and their markability and then the NCAA has come back and penalized these athletes and their successes for that. Um, and so I really do hope um, that you know the um, NIL opens up the door to, for conversations about you know giving Reggie Bush his ring back, um, and you know giving the USC program their 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 accomplishments back, and taking away the stigma that was placed on those athletes for some of the infringements at the time um, on NIL and on. Um, what they were doing in terms of the money that those players were making um, while they were students um, before all this was picked up. But um, that is the whistle today um, in the league and and around women's basketball. Um, We are going to continue to have these conversations and continue to talk about everything from, you know, who dropped 30 and 15 to who might need to go back, you know, and play overseas and who doesn't need to show up anymore. Um, but um, it's been a really exciting conversation. Um, hopefully you'll continue to join us for After the Whistle. i super grateful for this platform and the opportunity. Um, y'all have a great day. <laughs>